0: The rapture is God's promise that He'll return. If you want to learn how to be rapture-ready, then be sure to order Dr. David Jeremiah's new book, The Great Disappearance. This fascinating glimpse into the next event on God's prophetic calendar is available for a donation of any amount to Turning Point. Donate $75 and you'll receive The Great Disappearance set. Donate $100 or more and you'll receive a three-book share pack. Get yours today at davidjeremiah.ca. Despite Noah's warnings, most were still surprised when the flood came. Similarly, the rapture will leave many behind. Do you know where you will be? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers the dangers of embracing the world's corrupt values and being caught unprepared for Christ's return. Listen as David introduces the conclusion of his timely message, The Noah Factor.
1: And thank you for joining us today for the beginning of a new week and the completion of a message we started on Friday. Well, we have a book we want to tell you about. It's The Great Disappearance. And uh, we'll send this book to you for a gift of any size. And all you have to do is send your gift, send a note to us asking for the book, and we'll send it to you. It'll be on its way to you as soon as we get your request. We want you to have this. If you don't have it already, we'd love for you to have this book for your library, for your own resource, for your reading, for your sharing, for your growth and encouragement in the faith, and for your protection in these days when so many things are flying around. So, Let us send this book to you. You can send us a gift. And we really are serious when we say a gift of any size. Obviously, we'd like you to be as generous as you can be so you can help us as much as you can help us. But we are very serious about sending this gift to you no matter what size your gift may be. There's a study guide for this series and a series of uh, CDs that you can get. I'd love for you to do that. I think this will be a very important uh, addition to your library. So get the study guide, get the CDs, and do your own study. Lead your own group. And when you do that, you will be able to uh, see this truth begin to take over your life. That's my hope. Well, let's begin our discussion. So get your Bible, take some notes, and let's study God's Word. How easy it is for us to ignore the warnings that people give us about danger ahead. People who have visited most of America's parks say that Glacier National Park is the most beautiful, a showcase of melting glaciers, breathtaking valleys, alpine meadows, lakes in northern Montana. But since the park started keeping records back in 1913, 264 people have died in the park, many of them due to sheer carelessness. John G. Slater was a summer employee of the park in the 1960s. He recalled that all the workers were shown a film entitled The Mountains Don't Care about the dangers they might encounter at Glacier. But he said the movie didn't make much of an impact on anyone because it didn't make one on me. I was young enough to think I was bulletproof and I found it inconceivable that anyone could get hurt and that nothing could ever happen to me. He learned his lesson after a nearly fatal experience on Mount Clements, but he lived to tell about it. Not so, everyone. At the same time, three summer workers decided to climb one of the mountains close to their rooms. The three started climbing, but they yielded to the temptation to leave the path and head vertically up the side of the mountain. Suddenly, two of the hikers heard a scream, and they turned just in time to see their friend fall more than a thousand feet to the rocks below. There's a book called Death in Glacier Park. And it says, supervisors make every effort to impress upon summer employees that Glacier has a wide range of unique hazards, including snow bridges that conceal crevices in the ice, ledges that can give way underfoot, and wind-created slabs of snow that can break free and become deadly avalanches. Warnings often go unheeded, however, in the face of peer pressure. The problem of carelessness can be seen far beyond Glacier National Park. So many people around us are ignoring the spiritual warning signs because they feel they're bulletproof. It's inconceivable to them that anything cataclysmic could ever happen to them. Peer pressure seems stronger than prophetic pressure and a careless attitude has swept over our land Peter, I think, must have been thinking about what he heard Jesus say on the Mount of Olives when he wrote, Scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, Where's the promise of his coming? For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God, the world then that existed perished, being flooded with water. Peter said they can mock all they want, they can joke all they want, but they forget This happened before. There was another time like this when they mocked all the warnings. For 120 years, they listened to the old man preach and didn't do anything. But the day came, and the door closed, and the flood started. Cavalier generation, careless generation. Are you getting this? Is this resonating with you? We may not be in the middle of it, probably not at the end of it, but for sure we're at the beginning of it. Here's the third one. This one is more visceral than the other two. A corrupt generation. Genesis 6, 11, and 12 says, and this is at the time of Noah, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence, so God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way On this earth the word corrupt is in that passage three times and Genesis 6 5 says the wickedness of man was great in the earth now first of all it was a great wickedness and this speaks of the intensity of it it was full grown with no regard for right or for God secondly it affected every intent of man's heart and every intent of the thoughts of his heart And thirdly, man was only evil. If man had a choice between right and wrong, he always chose the wrong. Finally, he was continually evil, only evil continually. There was no lull in the steady storm of his sinning. He lived in sin all the time, describing the days before the flood. Let me put this another way. I kind of wrote this so that I could say it this way. In the days of Noah, it was not just that man's thoughts were evil, but that he intended his thoughts to be evil. And it wasn't that just some of his thoughts were evil, but that every single one of his thoughts were evil. And it wasn't that his thoughts were good sometimes and evil sometimes, but that his thoughts were evil all the time. Nowhere in the pages of the Bible is there a more complete definition of the doctrine of total depravity To most people total depravity means that people are as bad as they can possibly be that has nothing to do with total depravity That is not true of course given the finite circumstances of our lives that we have civil laws and social and religious restraints each of us could undoubtedly be much worse than we are if we chose to do so. What total depravity is, is the idea that sin affects the total person, that the whole person is affected by sin to the very core, to the very root of his being. Sin touches his life. In Noah's day, people had a vile imagination, according to the scripture, their imaginations were evil. That hasn't changed. Now we have the technology to put all these images, even worse ones that you or I can imagine, on screens and instantly transport them to a billion depraved minds with the click of a button. Over a third of all internet downloads are related to pornography and nearly 10% of all the viewers are under the age of 12. That's our generation. The wickedness of man affected his will the word translated intent is the word for desire he was evil because he wanted to be evil it affected his thoughts his thoughts refer to his mind and demonstrate that his intellect was polluted by sin it affected his heart everything he did and everything he was was touched by sin and the passage also spoke of the violence of Noah's day. And I don't need to draw a parallel to our modern times. Maybe more than anything else, that's what we see that just makes us wonder, where are we? We watch people go into stores with sledgehammers and break open glass cases and sweep all of the stolen goods into a bag and walk out and nobody even touches them. And that's not just happening in one city or in one place, it's happening all over the United States. Theft and violence is so desperate in many of our commercial centers that big stores that we've known from the day we ever knew about a store are closing their doors because they can't afford to stay open. Billions of dollars are being lost in the net worth of places like Target. And even breweries that we wouldn't mind so much if they did go out of business. But anyway, <laughs> what's going on today in the whole world of our existence is very much like what it was in the days before Noah. I was shocked and chagrined as you were on Memorial Day when some of our military heroes were beat up by a group of teenagers. I mean, I could come here with 10 stories from the last two weeks, and I would have leftover stories to tell you about what's going on in our nation, the violence that's happening. And there's nothing funny about it. There's nothing to laugh about it. But it did remind me of something. I don't know if you guys remember the Kingston Trio. Do you remember the Kingston Trio? They had a little take on this in one of their songs. I did remember this, and I found the words. Here we go. They're rioting in Africa. They're starving in Spain. There are hurricanes in Florida and Texas needs rain. The whole world is seething with unhappy souls. The French hate the Germans and the Germans hate the Poles. The Poles hate the Yugoslavs. South Africans hate the Dutch. And I don't like anybody very much. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of the way people look at life. And all the stuff going on all around us. All this violence, all this hatred, and people just give up. And they just say, I can't do anything about it, so what, just live with it. And that's the world we find ourselves in. Violence, you see, always comes from uncontrolled wickedness. Violence doesn't start it, violence is the end of it. When there's no righteousness in your heart, there will be wickedness in your life. When sin is the most important commodity, To an individual he's willing to pay any price for it the scripture says the earth was filled with violence murderous assaults were bathing the world in blood and nowhere was there immunity from this war on human life it is little wonder that God's heart was grieved as he looked down from his heavenly vantage point and decided to do a do-over on the earth (laughs) Noah's generation like ours was cavalier and careless and corrupt. And finally, they were caught off guard. <laughs> Matthew 24:39 says, And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus went on to say in Matthew 24, As the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now watch this. Then two men will be in the field, and one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, and the other left. Can you think of a more vivid way of describing the rapture? Two people working side by side in a field. One is taken, and the other is left. Two women grinding grain. One is taken, and the other is left. The word taken is the Greek word paralambano. And just two days later, Jesus used that word in the upper room. He told his disciples, if I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And the word receive is the word paralimbano. The meaning is to take to oneself. In other words, Jesus said that during times resembling those of Noah, he would return and some people would be taken or received. And two days later he used the same word. He repeated the point to his disciples. I will receive you. I will take you unto myself Remember John 14 is one of our primary rapture passages I've read other explanations for our Lord's words about some taken and some left But I can't get away from the plain and straightforward implication of the rapture If these verses were talking about the second coming of Christ at the end of the tribulation, or about people being taken away in the judgments of the tribulation, why would life be going on as usual, eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage, living carelessly and with a cavalier attitude? People are going to be caught off guard. Look at this entire passage and notice the first and last sentences. Here we go. Matthew 24, 36 to 42. But on that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until that day that the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Jesus began the passage telling us that no one knows the day or hour. He ends on the same note by telling us we do not know what hour the Lord is coming. Jesus said we must watch and be ready right now the door to salvation is wide open just like the door of the ark was wide open for 120 years while a man faithfully preached repentance and told the people what they needed to do the question is are you ready to enter the ark are you ready to walk out of the darkness into the light are you ready should jesus come in the next instant One of the interesting things about the original ark was the fact that it only had one door. (laughs) There was not a door above for the birds to come in, nor a little hole in the floor for the humble creatures of the earth to creep in, nor a big door for the elephant to lumber in. There was just one door. And everyone that was saved entered that door. The great eagle swooped out of the blue sky and entered in that door. The little wren hopped to safety through that door The snail crawled slowly through that door Noah and his wife Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their wives all alike entered that door There was only one door And Jesus said I am the door If you want to get into the ark of salvation you have to come through Jesus Christ There's not an upper door and a lower door and a middle door. There's one door. When I was growing up, we had a little chorus we used to sing. I'm not going to sing it because it would ruin the whole sermon. But here's what the word said. One door and only one, and yet its sides are two, inside and outside. On what side are you? Isn't that a powerful thought? One door, only one way to safety. One way to escape the coming judgment, and that's through Christ. You can say, well, I don't believe that, Pastor. Well, that's all right. You don't have to believe it, but it's true. You cannot make it untrue by saying you don't believe it. It's true whether you believe it or not, and you may not believe it now, but one day you will. If you wait and you don't ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and enter the ark of salvation, you will be left as were the people in Noah's day when the flood came. Perhaps you've heard the stories of Muslims around the world having dreams that eventually lead them to Christ. One missions organization told of an Islamic man named Lottie who felt unsatisfied with his life, and he prayed, God, who are you? Tell me the truth. One night he had a dream in which he saw a very old door, and he opened the door and saw a man standing behind it, and it was Jesus. Shortly afterward, he found a local church's Facebook page online, and there was the very image of the door He had seen in his dream He learned the gospel came to salvation through the doorway of Jesus Christ and found what he most needed in his life without Christ You're living in the days of Noah cavalier careless corrupt about to be caught by surprise at any moment the door will swing shut. The Lord will come for his church and you will be left behind. The carpenter of Nazareth and the preacher of Galilee says to you with all the amazing grace in his heart, I am the door. And the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you were righteous before me, In this generation, I've been studying the Bible for a long time, and I just had a wonderful conversation with my friend Rob Morgan about how we can read the Bible and study it for all these years and then find something that so excites us that we should have seen it before, but we didn't. So here's what I found Did you know that the first time the word come is in the Bible is in this passage I just read when the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark? Do you know one of the last times it's in the Bible? In Revelation 22, 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come, and whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. The Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark. And between that time and this time, the word come is in the Bible 600 times. And the last time, it is come and receive Christ and escape the judgment that will fall on this earth. This is the invitation that comes from this passage. This is the message that God wants us to receive. He's not interested in us just being caught up in all the violence of Noah's day and all the violence of our day. It's an important context for us to see that we're living in a time, not only of judgment, but listen, we're living in a time of opportunity. God is giving us the opportunity. Can you imagine all the people who listened to Noah preach for all those years, some of them every day, maybe for their whole life, making fun of him, mocking him, And Finally the door closed and the rain came and how foolish they must have felt that they never listened. Oh, we should have listened to Noah We live in such an opportunity Preachers like this one stand up and say Jesus is coming back The season we're living in would make us believe that it won't be very long before he returns Are you ready? Have you walked through the door of salvation? Have you accepted Christ? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, John chapter 14. So I just beg you and urge you to think seriously about that, and maybe today can be your ark day. Maybe today can be the day you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and remove all doubt as to where you're going to spend eternity. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. You can do that. I know absolutely that I'm going to spend eternity with God, and I can say that without arrogance or pride because it has nothing to do with me. I'm going to be in heaven because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. I am eternally grateful, but I have absolute knowledge that I'm going to be there with him. And if you will come and receive Jesus Christ as your savior, you can say the same thing. You can walk out of here with your head up high knowing whatever happens, whatever takes place from now until I die or till Jesus comes back, I am going to heaven to be with my Lord and with my children maybe and with my husband or with my spouse, I'm going to heaven. You need to know that. Not a lot you can know in the world in which we live today, but you can know that. You can know that you know that you know. I pray that you will make the decision to set that process in motion today. Amen. Amen. I never like to end a program without letting people know that you can know the Lord personally. Did you know that? He's made a way for you to have a relationship with your Creator. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. He wants to give you the gift of eternal life, which He provides for everyone who will confess their sin and ask Jesus Christ for forgiveness and accept Him as their personal Savior. This is a decision you make. I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to put my trust in Christ. I'm going to invite Christ to take control of my life. And He will do that. You can make that decision, and you can tell the Lord that anywhere you are through a simple prayer. Invite Him to come and be your Savior. And then tell somebody what you've done, somebody you know who's walking with the Lord, so you have a partner in your journey. And uh, it will be worth it all. I, I trust that you will make that decision today. And we'll see you right here tomorrow for the next edition of Turning Point. On this good station, we'll be here. Hope you will be too.
0: Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. We appreciate your notes of encouragement, so please write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO, Sowasin, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, The Great Disappearance, 31 Ways to be Rapture Ready. Informative and inspiring, it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet, or search in your app store for Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Great Disappearance, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. Christmas will be here before you know it. So now is the time to prepare your heart with a timeless devotional written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Season of Joy. Enter the Christmas season with restored hope, resounding joy, reassuring peace, and renewed faith. This inspirational book is yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive a four-pack to share the season of joy with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca.
1: A recent credit card commercial begins with the spokesperson saying, They say it's better to give than to receive. The truth is, they didn't say that. Jesus Christ said it, according to the Apostle Paul, as recorded in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. There was a time in America when most people would have caught that discrepancy immediately, a time when biblical literacy was high. Unfortunately, most people hearing that commercial today won't know the spokesman was quoting Jesus. The Bible was the most important guiding document in America's founding and it continues to influence our cultural conversation. But we have to read it to know it. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's Word on Route 66. Route 66, driving the Word home. Log on to
0: Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.